Welcome to Cooper Talk. I'm your host, Steve Cooper, and remember, I'm only as hip as my guests. And I have to tell you, people, I'm uh, I'm sorry about last week. There's a computer meltdown, but uh, things are going good. I, I went to see the cardiologist yesterday, my four-month checkup, and I'm good. Actually, my doctor said I'll be living till I'm like 80 or 90, which, you know, pissed some of my friends off. But it's amazing that when you go in the cardiologist, I'm the youngest guy by far. I mean, I'm 50. Everyone else is like 70, 80. And I go in there, and there's always like the crazy old guy who has to start talking to you about the weather. And I'm like, listen, I, I just want to sit there read a magazine. I don't want to talk to anybody. And then I had a guy walk in who know I had Taco Bell. He brought in a bag of Taco Bell to the cardiologist. Okay, people, you know what that is? That's like a guy who was arrested, who's a pedophile going to his parole officer with Skittles. Okay? I mean, if I was a doctor, I would have thrown him out of the office. It's like years ago when I got a, a DUI in Burbank, when I was in court, a guy, this uh, fine Armenian gentleman with a tank top, hairy back and a bathing suit came in for the case and the judge threw him out of, the judge is like are you going to the pool or the courtroom and he threw him out anyway so everything's good and we're back on track and uh, we have a great guest today I uh, I found my guest today it's very funny which he has the best last name I guess is Larry Poindexter how you doing Larry hey fine thanks you know what's funny about your last name because I grew up in Philadelphia uh, many, many things well, no, you probably heard a lot of stuff, <laughs> but you're a big guy so it well I did up. a lot of fighting when I was a kid but uh, there was a great newscaster in Philadelphia named Malcolm Poindexter and oh, he was great. award-winning journalist, and uh, I was like, t- I was thinking that's why I knew the name. And I think there's a there's a uh, something Pondexter who well, plays there, in the WNBA. Uh, yeah, Pondexter who plays for Memphis. Uh, there right. were there were a couple of brothers who were twins who played in Long Beach for for uh, Long Beach State. Um, there's Admiral John Poindexter, who was uh, in, indicted in the Iran Contra scandal. <laughs> 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 so yeah, there, and there's of course Felix the Cat. With uh, yeah, true, Poindexter. Right. But right. he's like he's like a, just like like I think it's he's just a his rocket nickname. scientist. So uh, so you're from Texas. I am. And uh, what part of Texas are you? Uh, I was uh, born in Dallas, Texas. So are you a big Cowboys fan? I was. I used to go see the Cowboys at, uh, at the original stadium on the uh, state fairgrounds. Not anymore though. No, they're out. No, no, no. You don't follow football. I don't, I don't follow football anymore. Okay. No, yeah. I just wanted because yeah. that's funny because I, I, it's always because I'm a Philadelphia fan and it's always like Dallas fans are. Oh, everywhere. we hated you. You and hate I, us. I actually like when there's actually a fan from Dallas, and I understand that. I'm like, okay. I mean, you'll joke around with them, but it's all the people like in LA. It's like like a guy who's like, I'm like, how are you a Dallas fan? Like, you have you you've never been to America's Texas? team. They're America's yeah. team, evidently. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, so you know, you're, you're, I know your your father was a uh, set designer. Yeah. Okay. Lighting and set designer. Yeah, scenic designer. Was that in Texas or? or? Uh, he started out in Texas. My parents actually met on the um, on the stage of the state fairgrounds uh, at the uh, opera house there, and my godfather was the uh, producing artistic director there. They met, and uh, she was a chorus girl uh, and an opera singer, and he was a stage manager. And uh, they met on stage and got married and uh, moved to New York and then moved out here. So basically, entertainment was in your blood. Yeah, I was pretty much raised backstage. So my dad came out here uh, uh, and started the uh, Mark Taper Forum with uh, John Houseman and and Gordon uh, Davidson. He was the uh, technical director and then eventually the resident designer. Now, being backstage, did you ever think, did you want to possibly think you wanted to follow your father's footsteps, or did you know you wanted to act, or did you want any, nothing to do with well, any my, of it? Well, my, my father made it very clear that if I became an actor, he was going to cut off both my hands. Okay. So that was pretty much... That was, so I learned, how to, I learned how to arc weld when I was about eight, nine, um, and was backstage a lot, and, uh, you know, just because of... Just because of the circumstances, you know, I was the kid they brought with them to the theater, and I would hang out backstage while they were doing stuff. And, and 
you know, it's a very interesting thing to have your parents saying you should not do this and then putting you backstage and watching Jack Lemmon, Walter Matthau, you know, rehearse. Now, it's really, you know. As a kid, did you really understand how, what a magnitude, what great actors they were? I mean, most, like, most now, and I think kids take stuff for granted. Like, when I was a kid, my parents would take us to the opera and stuff like that, mm-hmm. and, and I hated it. Right. And the art museums. But then years later, you know, when you're talking to a girl at a party, and you can go, hey, yo, the no, I, I have, like, these weird, you know, I have these weird me- uh, memories of, like, uh, when we were, especially when we were living in New York, but, uh, you know, going to see Camelot with, you know, uh, Richard Burton and Julie Andrews, and I certainly didn't appreciate it. I was, I was asleep at sometime in the <laughs> second act. But, you know, but I know that I, ha- I have that memory. I do remember those moments and stuff like that. And I think that certainly with, I mean, I, I, I don't know if I remember the grandiosity of it, but I certainly remember the hard work about it. So there is something about being an actor where you, I was never um, starstruck. Okay. You know, so there's always the kind of like, oh, this is really hard work. This is what happens behind the scenes. Um, which I think has paid off, you know, in the long run. I don't, I don't get rattled. Well, you got a fr- basically you got a free education from the masters when you think yeah. about it. Yeah. So, so you're you're hanging out backstage as a kid. You're just you know hanging out and you're going to school. Now, now, do you plan to go to college or did you play sports in school? Because you're, yeah. you're you're a big guy. Yeah. I, played, like, so I played sports. I, pl- I played football and I um, uh, but I got kicked off the team or quit depending on the story that you hear. Um, and I ba- I back talked to the coach and other stuff and then um. Uh, my best friend in high school said, well, you know, you're not doing anything in, in football this year. Because I really thought I was going to play football and maybe go to a small college and, you know, kind of play football uh, and get to college that way. And uh, <laughs> my best friend Gary said, hey, you know, I'm doing this play. Why don't you come do the play? Because you have nothing else to do this this fall. And I ended up getting the lead. And he got What was sm- the play? Uh, uh, oh, God. You can't take it with you. So I played Tony, the young romantic lead. And, and he played, of course, the older character <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and I had a great time and did a couple plays in college in high school, and then um, then when I went to college I was an art major and kind of went back to doing that and then again after my parent my father had passed away the same friend was going to the same college and said hey you're not doing anything why don't you come do a play I got the lead again what college uh, it was El Camino Junior College and that's out here that's out, out here it's the largest junior college in the country okay so here but now was it play for a college or was it for an outside of the it college it was, was for the college and uh, and uh, there was a there was a training program at the college that was kind of a direct feed to the Art Center of Design in Pasadena uh, there was a a, a a very 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 well respected art teacher there who did commercial design and that's not what I thought I was going to do so um, so I was going there and then I got waylaid into the theater department and then found it was a lot more fun to be around girls than sitting by yourself in a room doing every, watercolors. Every actor, you know, so many actors say that, like Ray Abruzzo was on and different guys, Bob, Paul uh, Carafotes, uh, all these guys yeah, come on. Guess, right. And they all sat there and said, you know, yeah, we played some sports, but, you know, it's just much better. There's no guy. Back then, he's like, there's no guys acting. There's tons of girls. Oh, it was great. A lot of the guys who were acting were gay. Right. So it was like it was like 90, 90 to 1, and so many guys were like, screw football. Yeah. You know, we get, we'll get more. You know, you're, you're, you're 18, 17 years old. Your hormones are out of control. Anyway, you know, it's like it's like you're not making good decisions. Anyway, you're just basically going. There's girls here, so we should go over here. Um, but because uh, that's football, they're sweaty, and you're not. And they're dancers, and they're very limber. Um, uh, when I got a, when I, I'd done a, a couple of years of, of um, or about a year, I guess, a year and a half of theater shows, and I'd been nominated for a, an award and regional award and blah 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 blah. So I was having some kind of success about it. And so I called my godfather and said, hey, I would really like to do Summerstock, you know, when I'm not doing theater here. And he was very kind and had me come in and audition for him um, and put me through the ringer for an audition. Um, 
usually a, a chorus audition is like you know uh, 12 bars of a song and maybe a little tap dance and you're done and he put me in there for like an hour okay <laughs> and I, I like did every monologue i knew and sang every song i knew and you know acted and uh, at the end of it he said okay all right so i went to dallas and on the same stage that my parents met got my equity card and um and started doing theater professionally so that must be i mean that must have been pretty cool where your parents started and because you sat there and they met you're like this is this is like full circle yeah the the costume designers and and a lot of the stagehands had been there for 40 years so they remembered my parents and it was a really really great experience and and you know again there are a lot of girls and i was i think one of the only two straight guys and the other guy was married so i was a very happy man exactly so you get your you get your equity card and if people don't know equity card is uh it's basically the sag part of 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 stage so you get that so now are you thinking i'm going to sit there and pursue just stage or did you say I want to get in TV and films or what because you're young you're probably a, you know, what 22 20? oh my god I was 19 yeah so you, you're not I mean it's a big thing getting an equity yeah, yeah, at yeah, that yeah. age yeah. I mean and so you're probably sitting there going what am I going to I mean what, what were you going to do what did you decide to do you know I wish I thought it through you know I really I was really you know my with my my father had been deceased my mom had remarried and and uh, and I came back to school and I realized that I didn't want to go to school anymore because I already had the thing that I was trying to work towards right. getting when I you know so um uh so I I called an agent who I had met on the road who had come to see another show and had said to me, hey, you know, if you're back in Los Angeles, you know, give me a call. And I did. And she sent me out on an audition and I, I got the first thing I went on. And it was, again, it was a theater piece. Okay. So I went and did, um, I did, uh, uh, <laughs> I did um, dinner theater with Cesar Romero. Okay, that's but that's was that's cool though. I mean, that's the, well, he was a Joker or a Riddler. He was a jo- Joker. Okay, so but you saw so your young guy, and now that was out here. The dinner theater was out no, here. No, I uh, uh, I did. It was a it was a weird confluence. I I did that. Uh, it was in New Orleans, so okay. I auditioned out here. They were replacing somebody. Went to New Orleans, did the show with Caesar, like for two months. Had a great time. Came back. We were going to do another round of it in Florida. In the interim, I auditioned for some theater here, a small equity waiver. At the time, it was called Equity Waiver Theater. Did the audition. A guy at the callback said, hey, I knew your father. Why don't you come talk to me? He's the producer. I go to, the, I go to his office. And he sits me down and goes, hey. Um, I said, you know, thanks for having me in. He goes, yeah. I don't think you should be an actor. <laughs> I, 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 what? And he said, I, I just don't think you really, uh, I don't think you really have it. And I, I, I said, I knew your dad, and you know, and he knew my family. And he said, yeah, I just don't think it's it's for you. But we have a production assistant job opening up. If you want to start working here, I think you could, you know, if you want to be in the business, you could certainly do producing and stuff like that. So why don't you come work for us? Okay. So shattered. Yeah, um, of course. You know, shattered. Like, well, Again, like uh, now I'm 20, and uh, and uh, I've been working for like the last year, and I, but I'm not good, evidently. Um, he saw me at a callback, by the way. So it's like, yeah, you, know, you were, yeah, okay, yeah, you know, you were, you know, you didn't go the first. I mean, it's so funny. I, I audition every once in a while, and I didn't, and I always, it's like I always get audition. I'm audition for a Hillary Duff video yesterday, <laughs> and it was a group thing. It's a background, you know, whatever. And it's so funny because you know, from the call, but there's no callback. They book it right off. But you, but a lot of these auditions, like eighty percent of the people are awful. Like oh, they, yeah. they said, don't. They said, don't. Overact, okay, because you don't want to take away. And the lady's like, "Can I put these glasses?" Oh and then one guy jumps up, and I'm like, oh my God. "What don't you guys understand?" So they tell you you're not good enough. So, so do you take the production job? I, no, uh, yeah, I take it for uh, like a week uh, as a trial, and I have a great time. And I'm working for a, a, a brand new producer named Leslie Moonves. Wow, 
<laughs> who uh, who is just it's his first. I, I think he's just quit acting and he's out from New York and he's now producing. And uh, uh, so I'm basically his production assistant along with the, the the company. It was a company called Catalina with Greg Harrison was the um, you know Gregory Harrison from, uh, from Trapper John, John right. Okay. So he's at the height of his TV world and he starts a production company with his manager Frank Levy who knew my family who was a booking agent at CAA a packaging agent originally, and um, and they're doing like TV movies and features and small theater in town. And I worked for them for about a week. And then I get a phone call saying, hey, that show is going up again in Florida and we want you to come. So I, so I leave, go to Florida, I do the thing, I come back. They've been trying to get a hold of me. And this is before people had, you know, I mean, pagers were new. So, right. you know, so they'd been leaving messages on my my service, which I hadn't checked because I was in Florida exactly. and I didn't want to spend the money on long distance it, Yeah, call. that's right, because it is. It's like you have to check it, then you wait, and you're like, and half time it's like your friend's calling, and, and, and you're like, why are you calling and, me? And it's like, you know, it's a live person. You know, it's like, you know, I, yeah, this is, you know, this is Larry Poindexter's <laughs> exchange. So, um, so, we, so I get back and, and uh, they, uh, they've been trying to get a hold of me and they liked what I'd done. They wanted to hire me full time. So I started working for them. And and this is where it, it's, of course, this weird thing of I'm working for them. I'm also sort of acting still because I don't really believe that I'm horrible and right. know, terrible. And uh, uh, so I'm working for them as a production assistant on a TV movie and then on something else and then on theater. And when they start, they start doing this show called um, Journey's End. And they've hired Maxwell Caulfield, Andrew Stevens, George Went, Robert England. Uh, a few other people, but Robert and George hadn't done anything yet, and Maxwell was about to come out in Greece too. Okay, yeah. So, uh, <laughs> so we're doing this 1920s melodrama about World War One, and I am the production assistant for the company, the assistant stage manager, the armory guy, the property master, and the special effects setting person, and I'm understudying. Robert and somebody else, and you're getting a minimum wage. And, and <laughs> <laughs> minimum wage. I'm not even making that. And I'm and I'm. I think I'm making like 300 bucks a week. And uh, and uh, and I'm also. I've got like one line. So, and there's this huge, really cool uh, Chicago theater director, uh, Steve Schachter, who's directing, and and he's just on my ass about the props like all day long, and it's it's a great experience, but it's very difficult. As I'm doing this. They're casting a movie. I walk into a room. I, I, I knock on the door. I walk in to give Frank, the producer, some papers um, to sign. There's a, a woman and a man on, the, de- on the, um, the couch as I walk in. I say hi to them. I give Frank the stuff to sign. He says, hi. He says, this is Larry. Hi, how are you? I take the papers. I walk out. About seven seconds, the door opens. Out comes this small woman. She says, are you an actor? I said, uh, yeah. And she goes, do you have a picture and resume? I said, yeah. So I give her the picture and resume. About two weeks later... I come in and I audition for the movie that we're casting in the office, and uh, for a small role, but you know, still uh, uh, a nice one. Turns out, and I get the job. Turns out that when I knocked on the door, they had been sitting on the couch. The the two people on the couch were the director and the casting director, a woman named Mary Buck and a guy named Oh my God, John something I don't remember. And um, they had been going through what was called at the time the um, the Players Directory, which is a really thick book that was divided up into leading men and younger leading men and character actors and you know, and then there's another one for women. And they're literally going through the book trying to find somebody to play Rob Lowe's older brother. Okay. And uh, in this mo- TV movie, and they're and this is the conversation they're having. I don't know. I can't. No, he's not right. No, he's not right. We need somebody like we need somebody like knock knock knock. I walk in. Hi, how are you? Hi, hi, hi. Walk out. 
we need someone like him. Who was that? <laughs> so I, uh, so that was it. I mean, that's how I got my SAG card. And now that, that movie wasn't going berserk, was it? No, that, that was, was uh, that was Thursday's Child. Because go, going berserk, I remember that was on cable <laughs> back. And, and for my buddy Steve Plinsky <laughs> says, "Go, I love." He's going feature. berserk. Now was cruising that? No, 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 so, no. Uh, someone. I don't. I don't know. I mean, I. I just remember the title. Yeah, I was. I was uh, John Candy, and okay. uh, directed by David Steinberg. Okay. And the same casting director, Mary Buck, uh, called me and said, "Hey, we have we're doing a movie now, and would you like to come in?" And you know, and of course my, of course the people at Catalina were like, "You're not supposed to be acting, you know, but yet you're acting. And you're supposed to be a production, you know." So I'm having success even in their company while this is all going on. So Mary, who's a huge, who was a great influence on me, uh, calls and says, "We're doing a movie, and we want you to come in." Okay, so I come into the to do the movie, and it's just a meeting with David Steinberg and John Candy. And we meet, we have a lovely time, and I have like one line as a waiter. And, uh, and I look great. About six weeks later, I get a phone call from Mary saying, hey, there's another part that's opened up, and we want to know if you want to do it. However, it might involve some nudity. And I said, well, I'm not going to do that. They said, well, what would you be willing to do? Because it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a male exotic dancer. And I said, and we know you dance because you did theater and, like, and, and chorus work. I said, well, uh, uh, and, and John and David remembered you. And John Kennedy was going topless. Now. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, uh, so I'm like, uh, well, I mean, I wear a speedo or something like that. I don't think that'd be too bad. And they say, okay, great. We'll talk to them. They call back. Great, you you can do it. I get the script. The script is delivered to the house, and the house, and it says uh, the character is Claudel, who is a militant black saxophonist who who <laughs> who's playing in a jazz club. And I call the and I like with all the balls in the world. You know, at 21, call the production office and say, um, I got a script for this part, and, and it's, I, I'm neither black, I don't play saxophone, and I'm certainly not militant, and I'm not quite sure what to do with this. And they say, they say, no, 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 the script's being rewritten, because this is like the height of the 80s, right? And everybody's like, there's no scripts. People are like doing movies, okay. and there's nothing ever finished, and they're starting movies, and they're making it up as they go along, and because it's Steinberg and John Candy and a bunch of other SCTV people... They're literally improving the movie as they kind of go along, and they've got a, a scenario. So, they've changed this this character to something else. What it's going to be, I don't know. I show up, I do the fitting for the the stripper outfit with the tearaway clothes and stuff like that. I'm a little embarrassed, but you know what the hell. I show up on the day for a rehearsal, and they've hired like all the Chippendales guys, like all the real Chippendales right. guys, who are all kind of <laughs> frustrated actors, and me. Who's not a Chippendale guy, and 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 they're just and they're just pissed. No one will talk to me. I get a f- I I get okay. Come talk to David and John, and I go into their trailer, and they want to improv a scene with me. Now I've done very little improv, and I'm certainly not. I mean, this is John Candy who right. I've watched, and David Steinberg, <laughs> who's these are like the the yeah. height of the like they're the best in the business at this particular genre. So I'm just kind of doing the best I can, and what we come up with, of course, is a an inexperienced young man who's about to do something, that's who funny. doesn't know what he's doing and is scared, but it seems to be talented at dancing. And so that's the scene, the two scenes that we do, and then I sit around for a couple of days waiting for them to shoot it, and then we get around to shooting it, and we do it, and it's it's great fun. It was great though, on the IMDb yeah. page, your name was still Claudel. <laughs> they didn't change it. <laughs> <laughs> that's just cracked me up. I'm like, they had to change his name. That's no, the thing. No. So, okay, so you, and you know, you're doing some different. You know, you're doing some shows. You're on Happy Days. You're on Facts of Life. You're yeah, doing. You're getting. Yeah. You're getting parts. Yeah, great. And then your first, I guess, your bigger break is Santa Barbara. Is that what it is? Or I mean, because that. And I don't know. I mean, I get. I don't. I don't know. I don't. I Santa Barbara was kind of a disaster. But uh, uh, you were on there for a while, though. 
No, I wasn't. No, I wasn't. They lied. They said you're on for 22 episodes. Yeah, but that's that's like that's like you know a month and a half. Okay. Um, Yeah, I was. uh, (laughs) I was. I have all these horrible horror stories. Uh, I was. But see, that's what's great. Somebody. That's what I love because so many actors. Because I see it on Facebook. All these young actors are always bitching like, "Oh, this person got the part. This person." I've had guests come in who have been to the table, cast in a role, and then they get a call the next day. Oh, by the way, we went with someone else. Yeah, everyone's. Everyone has horror. That's funny. Everyone has horror stories, but it's it's the people who are persistent, like you, that constantly work. And and, you know, all these people will go, "Oh, well, they come out for two months and they go, "Oh, we're going back to Milwaukee." yeah, I, yeah, I certainly think it has something to do with you know again with my background of I don't I don't have any illusions about it being like this starry wonderful thing. Everybody's working their ass off and trying to you know everyone's trying to hustle and trying to get a job and 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 everybody gets fired and everybody loses the job that they wanted and everybody doesn't get the thing that they wanted and they also get other stuff instead you know. Um, but I don't get disappointed about it because I think that I think I saw it happening all the time. You know, I saw I remember watching. Um, Carol Burnett working on something and just working her ass off trying to get a, a bit right that when it was then filmed was, you know, brilliant and seemed like it came out of nowhere, but she'd worked for hours. I mean, literally like two hours I was watching her do something for um, I think she's doing Calamity Jane in Dallas and just watching her work her ass off on this one little tiny section. And so I never thought it was like some magic potion that you, you know, you're right. amazing and that's great, you know. Um, when I was doing <laughs> when I was doing Santa Barbara, I... I got a phone call. I, I go to the audition. Uh, this woman, Barbara Clayman's casting it, and she's a, a fan, a great person. And uh, I get the uh, audition. I do the... I test. I get the job. It's a character that they've been hoping to introduce for two weeks. He's been talking through a door to the Robin Wright, who's on the show at the time. And, and it's kind of going to be this romance between these two people. And so my final... I now enter, and they've got me. I'm a I'm a saxophone playing. I think there's a theme here. I'm a saxophone playing psychologist who go. evidently only enters rooms through windows. Have not, Have you ever taken a saxophone lesson? I, I, yeah, I had to. Okay. Yeah, and uh, I, I did a uh, I did a, an episode of something else where I played saxophone. So um, so I so I'm on the show. I'm playing the psychologist with Robin Wright, who's fantastic, and we're having a great time. And uh, at the test, actually, the reason I got the job, I, I firmly believe, was do the test, I do the reading, do a good test with Robin. They then interview, because this is a time when soap operas were really big, and they wanted to have personalities, and they wanted to have people who could interview. And uh, so they start interviewing me, and the guy interviewing me is a guy named Jerry Adler. Jerry Adler is has been on The Sopranos now. At the time, he was a stage manager. See Polly Walnuts? No, yeah, uh, uh, no, no, I no, know, no. He's he's I the guy, but he's the guy who ends up retiring to Connecticut in the show and okay. his horses. I can't remember, but okay. but uh, um, but he's a very he's in Woody Allen movies now. He's uh, he, uh, he, uh, unbelievably great guy, but he started out as a stage manager. And like a lot of theater guys in New York, when he moved out here to work, he didn't mind taking a job doing stage managing on a soap so that he could make his bones while he was still acting. And uh, so he starts interviewing me. He goes, "Hey." Uh, was your dad HR? And I said, yeah, he was. And so we started talking about my dad. And he goes, I knew him. I, in fact, I have a videotape of him winning the Tony Award. I, I should give it to you. I said, I, I would love that. I don't have a copy of that. And he goes, yeah, yeah, I'll get it to you when we're done here. So I guess I just kind of opened up and was, you know, kind of vulnerable and nice. And Robin is from Texas also. So we ended up talking about Dallas and about Austin and some other places. And, and I got the job. I start working. I'm working for about eight weeks. My girlfriend, this girl, Jane Sibbett, fantastic actress, um, is testing for the show. But we don't let anyone know that we're boyfriend and girlfriend. We don't want this to go weird. So the next day after the test, the the producer, Mary Alice Boonham, comes down, says, hey, we hired somebody that you're going to like. 
And I said, really? And she goes, yeah, we're so happy. We didn't know you guys were together. This is great, blah, blah, blah. The next day, that next day, my, 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 my girlfriend is starting the show. She's in my dressing room. I'm having a meeting with Mary Ellis to discuss plot, you know, what's going to happen with my character, because that was the kind of the way that you used to do things on soaps. They would, like, talk to you about what you wanted to do and what your interests were and how they could incorporate those. You have meetings with executive producers. So I go into Mary Ellis's room, and I've got a, a, a sheet of paper, and I'm, like, ready to go and have all these ideas about what to do with my character, because, you know, it's kind of like... Right. Right. And she goes, yeah, we're not going to need that. You're being let go. I, I, what? Yeah, we're not... Yeah, we're not going to pick up your contract. Oh, okay. So I'd done like basically one cycle of 13 weeks. And I go back to my, just devastated, go back to my girlfriend who's in my dressing room. And she goes, hey, Dex, what's going on? And, and how was the meeting? It was really short. And I said, because I got fired. And she goes, yeah, that's funny. I said, no, no, I got fired. She goes, what? So I'm fired. So I spend the next two weeks kind of with my hand over my face trying to get through the next two weeks while my girlfriend becomes very, very successful on the show and I have to go to all the parties with her. Right. So, oh God, that is, that is so, it's like, come on, it's like, yeah, that's like the worst feeling. It's like oh you're walking goodness. and it's like, and you know, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah they're doing yeah. interviews for her on Soap Opera <laughs> Digest and I'm like the guy that she's with, former actor. Yes. So you did that, you get to that. Now, and you keep working and you keep, and I say, you have a very great resume. It's like, even like you see people who, you know, I, you you know, I think, uh, what's his name? Capolo says a little better one. But, yeah, but hey, you know what? You guys both have great resumes. Yeah. You know what I mean? Look, I have no resume. No, I, I, I just, I'm very jealous of him. You know, because he's, he's a great guy. He's fantastic. No, very, no, I've worked with him. Very good singer. Well, now, what did you work on John with? We did, a, we did um, uh, The Hard Times of R.J. Berger. Okay, which show. I want to get to that because I remember I watched that and it was funny because it's it was great. when it came out. And we'll go to that right now, then we'll talk about your career. Okay, sure. I don't uh, care. When, when I, I remember I saw it. I'll and talk about politics. What, I don't care. Oh, yeah, but one of the reasons why I watched it was it was one of those shows that I guess the writer was very young or the creator was very young. Yeah, uh, David. Well, actually, uh, Seth Graham and David Katzenberg, who is Katzenberg's son, right. um, did a short film with the same same idea of this. And they sold the idea to MTV. And they were, yeah, they were really young. They were, I don't know, 24, 25. So I remember reading an article about it, and everyone's like, this is a great show. And I watched it. It was very good. And then, I, I don't know if it's for it was gone after two seasons, but I used to probably because, you know, I mean, I grew up, and we grew up, MTV was music. Mm -hmm. And then people are used to the crap they show, like mm -hmm. Teen Mom and all that, whatever. And if you put something on that's somewhat funny... I don't think the I think the kids don't have the attention yeah, span. I don't, I don't, I don't know what the I don't I mean I could never I could never tell you what the the reasons a network picks up something or doesn't pick up something. I can tell you what I know about it was that they had MTV really wanted the people running MTV at that time really wanted to break out of they had the hills on and you know all these kind of like female centric reality soap operas and they really wanted to break out of that and have more of a male audience and be able to include that because they didn't have enough of a demographic to make the money that they wanted to make and. So, this was a great idea for them to, to include male audience members, and, uh, and this is slightly uh, strange word to use. Uh, but so they they did that, but they lost female audiences in that time, and I think that they just had a hard time figuring out how to to attract both. It was yes, the first half hour scripted comedy they'd done in. I think they'd only done one one. one I think I'm, I may be wrong about this. They'd only done one other half hour scripted before that. They launched us and a puppet show that was not very well received at the same hour block. Um, we did pretty well. We did really, really well for them. We were, you know, making good, good numbers for them. Um, the second season, I think we were we dipped a little bit. Um, uh, 
And I think they just didn't know really what to do with this. They ended up putting another show on called Awkward, which is now, I think, still running. Right. Which is essentially the female version of our show um, in the sense that it was a, you know, somebody who's not very well recognized and then through a certain happenstance they become more, more aw- uh, people become more aware of them in the high school and that leads to all sorts of different issues as a result of being, you know, seen. And it's all a metaphor for being a, you know, being a teenager. And um, it wasn't as raunchy as ours. Well, it's funny about your show. But your show is good because sometimes I watch it. But now that must have been different for you because you know, looking through your career, you have had been on good dramas yeah. and movies. But for that, it's a whole new. I mean, there's these teenagers must have started recognizing you because you know, teenagers they just soak. My oh, my, my yeah. girlfriend's uh, nephew is a freshman in high school and her niece is a freshman in college, and they just they sponge on the stuff because they oh my god this I mean did you did, was it weird for you because people kids come not weird oh, yeah, yeah. Well, no, no, like, I mean you know I mean I had I've heard, I've had my share of like bits and pieces of notoriety over the years I I I mean when I did SWAT that was a you know I still have you know fourteen at that that point it was like you know seventeen eighteen year old guys coming up to me going hey you're in SWAT you know and uh, and and certain other things depending on the thing yeah R J Berger was very much like that there was a lot of kids who watched it and a lot of teenagers and a lot of yeah I'd go someplace and people would go but my wife says that I have enough notor- you know <laughs> I have just enough notoriety to not get a good table at a restaurant I look like <laughs> the guy that they went to high school with that they didn't like well so it's <laughs> funny well, it's funny because a lot of the actors come on people probably come up to you and go I know you but the, but they, they can never tell yeah. where from they yeah. say I you know. oh yeah my wife says that we walked down Ventura Boulevard and there would be people that kind of swivel and kind of look at me and say something and I don't I certainly don't notice I'm not that self-aware about it but but my wife is and she goes they saw you and I said I don't know what you're talking about but they you know it's a weird it's a weird weird world now with SWAT was that one of your yeah first big features I mean because you did going berserk yeah. and you were doing a lot of TV yeah I, I mean I did a lot of like little indie fe- features and I did a, I worked for this uh, low budget kind of exploitation company as both a casting director and an actor and a producer because um, I was thinking I was going to quit acting for a while and I'm glad I didn't but I was going to kind of move into doing something else and it was kind of like going to film school but uh, uh, yeah as far as a, uh, I mean that's probably the biggest feature I've done that and 17 again are the two biggest well Sam L. Jackson was in that right yes and was LL Cool J in that LL Cool J Tony, Tony. or Todd sorry Todd so what was it like because I mean, I mean working as an actor Samuel Jackson and he just seems like just he's just bigger. I mean, he's just bigger than he's, life. I mean, it's it's so weird to explain Samuel Jackson. It's one of those people that if you admit, you, he's probably the nicest guy, but you're probably just in awe. But he's probably a perfectionist. Yeah. Well, you know, I, my, I had a, I had a, I had a great time. I, I, look, it's another one of those like fun stories. I, I went, I had been the best man to my my best friend's wedding. We were, I was a co best man with this guy Clark Johnson. Yeah, Clark I, he's I, uh, an actor. Um, he's the director of SWAT. Okay, and he was also he was in uh, homicide. homicide, right? Yeah, right. And okay. Kyle's my and Kyle was in homicide also, and so Kyle so, Sikor, yeah. Okay, and uh, so we were at the wedding. We were best friend, best men at the wedding, and from that, we I don't know if we became friends, friends, but we certainly knew each other. We had a great time, and and he was direct. He'd just done the uh, he'd just done the shield, the shield, and and had gotten no- nominated for a um, an Emmy for the pilot, and he got a deal to do a movie, SWAT based on the television series and um, out of nowhere I get a phone call to come in and audition for this and I walk in and it's Clark I didn't know it was Clark and and you know we just busted each other's balls and had a great time it was just him the casting directors and me and 
and again, the character was written like a like a sixty five year old black angry man, and I and I, I played sax, <laughs> and I said, "You, I, I'm assuming you don't want me to do this exactly. You want to do?" My, he goes, "No, I want you. I want to do a different thing with it." I said, "Okay, great." So do the audition, and 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 he gives me his phone number because I'd lost it, and uh, give him mine, and I leave, and I think, well, that's nice. He called me in. Week goes by, I get a phone call from him. He said, "Hey, you know." Um, they're they're interested if they don't you know if they don't go with like treat williams or somebody like that then i i think you might have a job here and i'm like well you know thanks but don't it, it's weird to say treat williams because he's he's old i mean i yeah, guess he old. was the original 60 something that, that they were looking yeah. for because yeah. i'm mean, yeah. saying because i can he's, see he's I can black see, but yeah, uh, yeah, but yeah. I, mean, I can see the look because I mean, the hair you both yeah. have good hair but you know <laughs> yeah, you we haven't lost our hair bald, no, bald guys we always go <laughs> man that person and like you have good hair because it's gray and it's good like you well, good i mean gray looks good like if you went out and used a just for men We'd be pissed. We'd be I, like, yo, <laughs> you, you know, you, come on now, man. You, you got the hair. Why Why mess it up? Yeah, why right. mess it up? It looks um, good. The, thank you. Um, we can go out later. The truth of so I get a, so he gets that phone call, and I'm like, uh, okay. Then another week goes by, and he calls, and he says, hey, um, yeah. He says, I just want to talk to you about, you know, SWAT. And I said, oh, okay. Because, yeah, you know, I, I mean, I really pushed for you. And, um, I, I don't know what to tell you, man. I said, well, it's okay. I really appreciate the phone call. He goes, yeah, because they're going to go with this other guy, uh, Larry Poindexter. And I went, what? Wait, what? What? He goes, yeah, you got the job. I said, what are you talking about? I, so they approved, like the studio approved me. He, he fought for me, and I got the job. So like a week later, we're going to do a, a table read, or two weeks later, we're doing a table read. And I've got a job. I'm doing a show called Push Nevada. And it, the table read's on a Thursday. Wednesday evening, we're on set, and they pull the plug. The, the, the ratings are so bad that they literally pull the plug on shooting in the middle of an episode. That's how bad. Well, no, right? I mean, like, the ratings are so bad. Like, they're doing like a <laughs> point four on ABC on a Thursday night. I mean, it's like so bad that they cannot actually, they can't, they're like, we're pulling the plug. So, you know, people are like grabbing their stuff to go. And I, so I call and say, hey, I, I, I can make the, um, I can make the table read. I didn't think I was going to be able to. And they say, oh, great, that's fantastic. So it's tomorrow morning at nine and at Sony. So I get there. They don't have my placard. They have somebody else's name who is like going to sit in for me. And, um, and I meet the other guys in the, in the cast. And it's Josh Charles, who I kind of knew a little bit socially, and Michelle Rodriguez, and, and Brian Van Holt, and Reggie Cathay, and uh, Sam Jackson, and uh, 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 Jeremy Renner, and. Wow, right. Okay, and, so. And uh, uh, I'm forgetting the lead's name. I'm so. LL Cool J? No, no, the lead was. Um, Look it up. You got it. You I got am, it. I'm right here. I'm trying to think. The yeah. lead was was Irish guy, uh, and he's wonderful. He's a great guy, and I can't remember his name. So I can't believe it's not uh, Colin Farrell. Colin Farrell. So, so I'm at the table, and I am the only actor that I don't recognize. <laughs> so everyone there is like it's you know, and Sam opens his uh, you know, Clark gives a speech and says, and all the Sony execs there, and and Clark gives a speech and says, I uh, you know, this is just a reading, take it easy, you know, we're just you know, so that everyone can hear it, and we can all meet each other and have some coffee and like that. And Sam opens his book, which is he's got his he's got a script all open. He's got everything marked already. He's got pages. He's got no, I mean the the man is ready to go. He goes, yeah, that's what what they say always before they're about to fire you. You know, so so he goes, yeah, because because no one's ever been fired from a table read before, and everyone laughs nervously, and me most nervously, <laughs> and uh, so we start the script, and I have the first acting scene. 
like everything else is action up to that point. And then I have the scene where I'm like, get out of my office. You're fired. You know, you're fired. You're on those, you're on the shit to deal and all this stuff. And, um, with Jeremy and, and, uh, Colin and, you know, we do the, we do the scene. It's, it's okay. You know, it's not, it's not, but it's not great. I didn't hit it out of the park. And they're not going to fire Colin and Jeremy. So I'm thinking, it's like, I'm done. <laughs> so, you know, we do the next scene that I'm in, and it's much better. And I do a scene with Sam, and it's very good, and everything's okay. But I, do, I still go home, and for the next, like, the next 48 hours, I'm just sweating bullets, just thinking, like, they're going to fire me. I'm done. They're, like, I'm going to get somebody else. They're going to get Treat Williams. is going to come in. <laughs> and uh, But they don't. They don't. It was fine. And uh, we start shooting, and it's great. And Sam doesn't really talk to me the entire time we're shooting. He stays, because we're antagonistic during the show. And so now we're going to shoot our big scene with each other. And uh, we're sitting down, we're doing it, and um, uh, they're, I can't remember if they're on, I think they're on Sam first, and uh, we start, and he's loaded for bear. Like he, and, and, I, and I've been told at the costume fitting by the first AD that like he's like, he's a great guy. Great guy, likes to go golfing, great guy but he doesn't suffer fools at all and so he's the kind of guy he'd worked with them on triple x and he's the kind of guy like when they call him from the from his trailer he goes to the set and if they're not ready he's like dude why did you call me you know he's like really ready to go so he warns me of this and like be ready because this is what he did to vin diesel so this is the story that i was told and i don't know how much of it's true but he basically they're doing triple x and i guess it was vin's big big you know leading role in something he'd already done saving private ryan but now this is doing this and he has a big scene in an i think it's in an opera house and he's going to talk and it's with him and sam jackson they're talking about something well they call sam and vin's not ready vin's not there they've called sam but vin's not there well vin is outside trying to learn his lines he hasn't learned his lines he's got this big speech and stuff like that and and now this may or may not be true and i want to you know, I'm caging this because yeah. I've been hearing bits and pieces of this. But essentially, Sam called him out. Just get the motherfucker in here, you know. And uh, and they like ran the lines, and, and he embarrassed him in front of everybody because he was just like, you know, know your shit. So I was ready. As a result of that story, I was like, I was, right. I you know, I was like, ready. I was ready. I had done all my work. So we sit down. We start doing the scene. Sam skips something or blows a line or something like that. And I said that's on you he goes oh really I said well yeah he goes huh we do the scene again I blow a line he looks at me and I go I said well now we're on an even playing field so we like we have a great scene together and it's really really fun to act in and and he's really wonderful and at the end of it uh, Clark says can you you know kind of give it a button of some type and I said could I say such and such and I said and and so uh so I did the most racist thing I could think of. I said, so at the end of the scene, I went, da 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 da, and this is what's going to happen. You're going to do this. You feel me? <laughs> and just like, and, and Sam looked at me like, like, are you fucking kidding? <laughs> it was great. It was the best time. So we do this. We do the whole movie. We go to the premiere, and I, you know, months later, there's the premiere. It's a big movie. It's like you know. Oh yeah, yeah it's because it was a very big TV show. I remember yeah, right. it was Robert huge, York, right, Steve right, Barnes, exactly. And then and then uh, and now they made this big movie of it, and it's a summer big blockbuster, and you know. So but what is that like going to one of those big premieres and you're in it? That must be just really. Surreal. I didn't go that. I went to one premiere. I was not. I was like one. I was like the guy below those okay. five or six, seven people. So um, so I went to the big Hollywood premiere though, right. and it was you know red carpet and all this stuff like that, and uh, and Sam. Could not have been sweeter, nicer. And I said, "Oh, great! Now you're nice to me." Uh, for you know, like three months, we're shooting this thing. You won't talk to me. He goes, "I couldn't talk to you, man." I was, but he, 
I've now seen him probably a half dozen times. He has shouted out my name across studios and run up to me and given me a big hug in front of crews and I mean, he's been—he's a great guy. He's a great guy. Well, I loved how he called out. Uh, what is it, Sam Levine? No, the guy uh, that Channel Five. Uh, oh yeah, yeah he I love yeah, that because yeah. it's, it's like okay. Yeah, uh, my feeling is this: if you're this great Hollywood reporter, you should know the difference between Samuel Jackson and Lawrence. First of all, they don't even look anything alike. Not a bit. N- nothing alike. Not and, a bit. and you know, I never see Lawrence Fishburne with a kanga. You know what I mean? It's like, but that was the funniest thing. With not, Sam. they could not be more different as human beings. And and yeah. I've worked with both of them. And there, I mean, it was it was great. What Sam did was great. And he's he's a really straight shooter. He's a really and straight, he was right. Yeah, totally he, right. He, he could have slammed them more, but he was professional about it. But he he, was, he went he, he went as he went as far as he could, and knowing what he was going to do. He didn't. He didn't quite let him off the hook, but he let him off a hook enough to get on with this, the interview. But he did. A, you know, get a good minute and a half, two minutes of like, "Are you fucking kidding me?" Right. It's just crazy. <laughs> yeah. So okay. So you go through SWAT. Now people recognize you. Kids are recognize yeah. you. Now you end up in General Hospital, right? Uh, y- I don't end up, but I think that was before that. Actually, okay, no, I think, what, I think that was. How long that was after? How I don't long know. In General Hospital for? Um, like three months. Now I heard you played. A, you were sort of a jerk in that. Yeah, I was the. I was. Well, what happened was that Jill. I don't remember. Jill's. Oh, this is horrible. Jill, the producer, had been the producer on Santa Barbara, and she made a straight offer for me to come in to do General Hospital when she became the producer to clean up a bunch of storylines. They had killed off a main character with a ten-year-old boy using the 10 year old boy to kill the person and they've gotten all these letters and all this like you know people like how dare you use a child killing his father and all this stuff like that so they 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 planned a series of storyline adjustments and flashbacks and they were and they basically used me to carry out all that stuff so i killed a bunch of people and then i got blamed for killing other people that had happened like a year prior or two years prior with flashbacks where they intercut new footage of me doing something that they had said the 10 year old was doing and like this whole thing like that and, and it was and i didn't know any of this was going to happen all i got in the phone call was like hey they want you to come in and, and play a psychologist for a few episodes on on um on general hospital and and with all due respect to my soap opera friends, I'm not very good at it. I mean, I got fired from the one that I'd done prior to that. I'd done, I'd done like eight episodes of Days of Our Lives or ten episodes of Days of Our Lives before that. I just, I'm not very good at it. You know, it's just, I'm not, for whatever reason. And uh, uh, I'm good at Shakespeare, but I'm not so good at that. Isn't it weird? Right. I mean, you, know, I mean you know, different talents. My friend John Lindstrom, Emmy-nominated a great guy, really good actor, really good at this genre. Like, really understands how to do it and and be successful at it. And I'm just not. So, um, so I, I, you know, the first episode is like I have like a couple of pages, and the next episode, like at the middle of the week, is you know, I have like six pages. The following week, I have like ten pages on Monday, and then the following, like the next day, I have like twenty-five pages. And from that point on, like I'm working pretty much every day, and I'm doing twenty-five or thirty pages every day, and it's all cleaning up all this other storylines. And um, and I, you know, I, ha- I had to hire a friend of mine to like run lines with me so I could learn them the night before because it was just overwhelming. They, they give it to you that day. You have to learn from well, they, give it, they give it to you a few days ahead. And then you yeah. have to know, but but you're so you have to learn a lot of material. Though. Yeah, yeah. And if you're and if you're on if you're if you're on the wheel and you're like one of these guys like um, Steve Burton, who's on I think he's on Young and the Restless now, but he was on General Hospital at the time. They're doing forty pages a day every single day, and the way that soap operas shoot now, they no longer shoot like one episode a day. They shoot. They shoot like nine episodes in four days, so they're jumping back and forth with storylines and jumping back in time, and they're working. The, I mean, they're working unbelievably hard. It's it, I'm so impressed with these guys. I mean, they're just un- unbelievable. And at the time, 
uh, I think the girl that I was working with, Kelly, was doing Dance with the Stars the first season. She w- she ended up winning the, the season, but she was rehearsing. Like, in between takes, she'd go run off and rehearse and then come back. And, and so she was, she was, it was great. It was great. Great fun. So you come from, you do soap opera, you play, you play a tough guy a lot. Like, you were in Blade. Was that, was that like a yeah. tough guy character? Yeah, it was an FBI guy, yeah. Now, were you, did you, did you get physical with people? Yeah, a couple things. Not, not a lot. I mean, you know, it's a, it's a, it was an action horror you know, science fiction show. So did yeah, did you, you know. get did you get in fight scenes? Yeah, there's a couple of fight scenes. Now, how yeah. is that fun? I mean, or is that, are you a little worried yeah, you might no, get no. missing, get hit? Well, or I'm I mean. so old now, I don't have to do it as much anymore. But you know, when I was younger, yeah, when I was, you know, uh, I did American Ninja Two. Okay, you know, and we had a lot of fight scenes in that, obviously, and and uh, and I did, um, I did these these low budget action flicks where. I, again, I cast a number of them, and I was in them and stuff like that. And we did a bunch of—I did a bunch of fight scenes and stuff like that. And I—I I mean, like a lot. Like we did, I think every movie I was in, I at least had a couple of those things. And and I played—you know—I played depending on the the part. Usually, I'm usually I'm not a cop. Usually, I'm the FBI guy, right? So I'm like you know the the college educated cop. That's kind of like what I end up playing on those things. And because uh, they have tougher guys than I will ever be, right? Be guys. And uh, you know, um, and I and I know them; they're great guys. But um, but like you know, we did this uh, this kind of uh, you know, vice president is kidnapped in a plane. And we have a, like all these fight scenes in a plane. We did a fight scene with a girl uh, who just kicked my ass in um, in this movie, and it was choreographed by a, a world renowned kickboxer who was also a stunt guy who happened to be on the set and was willing to do us a favor. And like so, you know, I've done a bunch of this stuff like that. Yeah, I don't now. I don't do it because you know. I'm I'm out of shape and. Do you ever do you ever take a shot though? I mean, like by accident, like you said. Well, there you go, you know, it's, so, it's so funny that you said that because it's there. There have been two times. So in 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 one time it's my fault. One time it's the other. But um, in American Ninja, uh, we had this very complicated long sequence, and and it was kind of out of control. We were in we were in Africa, and there wasn't a lot of you know worry about safety or stuff like that. And and uh, um, we did this sequence, and in the sequence, I like two guys attack me and we fight and then they throw me onto a table and the table's supposed to collapse and when it collapses I'm supposed to turn around and then hit another guy from the floor and then I run off right so it's like five pieces and normally in a regular movie you'd shoot one piece but they've now decided to put it together because it's cheaper um, so the two guys fight they throw me on the table the table doesn't collapse it kind of tilts I land really hard I'm out of position I'm a little dazed <laughs> But enough to remember that I'm supposed to turn around and knock this guy out from behind me. So I, from the floor, I throw a punch from the floor all the way up like that, and I, I hit him. I clocked him right in the chin. That's, that's like a knockout punch. Knocked him out. Knocked him right. They always say punch under the chin. Yeah, knocked him right into the wall. He slid down the wall. <laughs> and on the film, you can see me kind of going, like, alarmedly looking at him going, like, oh, I'm so sorry. You know, like, kind of like my hands are like, oh, I, oh, my goodness, I hurt him. I'm an actor. And, uh, and then I kind of walk off camera. They kept it in the movie, so that's the I, I so I hit him, and so I was so oh my god I was so apologetic I like bought him flowers, so the next the then then you know I I didn't ever have any problems with fight scenes other than that until this this plane flight scene and I'm working with this girl, and and I by this time I've done so many that I'm very relaxed about it and I know that you're doing it three quarter speed and I kind of know how to do it and I've done a lot of these fight scenes right. And she has, she's actually like studying, I think she's studying Taekwondo, but she's, she's a real, you know, she's working really hard. She's an actress. Well, we do this thing. It's a complicated fight scene. I'm playing a, a secret service agent. She, there's a point where I get some dust in my face. I'm supposed to stand up 
And as I stand up, and uh, like in, mo- in most fight scenes, a lot of it's eye contact. You have to look at the other person and make sure that everybody knows what's going on. If you don't see that, you don't, you know, you don't want to do something. You just cut it because you, you know, you do another take. She's amped up out of her mind. I, I look up. We don't make eye contact, and she throws the punch, and I'm actually not ready for the punch, and she clocks me right in the side of the head, and she's got a ring on. She cuts me open across the, the, the side of my, and I like, and I just basically walk off camera. <laughs> just went, cl- she clocks me, and I just keep walking. And she's like, oh, I'm so sorry. No, it's good. It's good. And like bleeding and, you know, trying to get it cut. Yeah. It's like, it was like a rocky cut. See, that's, that's, that sucks, though. I mean, it's like, ah, it was but, fine. Yeah, but you're on the side. I got beat up by a girl. It's, yeah, like, it's all right. That's good, though. So now I noticed because you did a lot of dramas. You know, you sit there, you know, with, you've been on Mentalist and Bones and yeah. Criminal Minds, all great shows. My girlfriend watched them. I started watching them. What was it like when you did Lax, when we talked about the life of RJ Berger? Because you, had, you, you hadn't done a lot of comedy in your background. No, I have. I did. I, I was in. I was in an improv group. I did. Okay, I, know. I, so I mean, look, you know, I did. I did. Uh, I, I did a ton of. And when half-hour comedies were very popular, I was always doing comedies. But you know, they went away. The way of the dodo bird. There's very few half-hour single cam or fa- very few half-hour multi-camera camera uh, shows left. But my first job, my first episodic television show was Happy Days. You know, which is multi-camera. And so who would you, you play in Happy Days? I did Jenny Piccolo's boyfriend. Jenny, you, okay, you were Jenny. That's so funny. Jenny, everyone knew about Jenny Piccolo. Yeah, and I was a jerk. Um, and uh, and then I did, um, I mean, I did a bunch of stuff, a bunch of Fox things. and. But lately, on. you've been playing a lot of the well, serious yeah, yeah, parts. Yeah, I mean, but, I mean, but the, big, mostly because that stuff has gone away. And if you do it, it's like, like in 17, again, it's a light comedy and it's a romantic comedy to do that. But um, I know a lot of theater where I do comedy. But, but uh, uh, R.J. Berger was the first in a long time that I had done kind of slapstick over, the, not over the top, but savage, you know, just raunchy, you know, Will Ferrell kind of, comedy right you know um and uh and it was great i mean it was great i was working with some really really wonderful people the kid who played the lead was wonderful uh beth littleford played my wife and she was unbelievable she's on dog with the blog dog with With reagan burns yeah with reagan that's right with reagan and uh uh and you know she's so i it was a it was a good group of people to work with and they were very willing to and jeb duplay and you know and they wrote especially in the second season. The first season was very much like, you know, the parents would walk in and kind of go like, hi, honey, you know, we're going to go to a swingers vacation and enjoy your day. And here's your hot babysitter. And we'd walk off. The second season, they had us getting divorced and it was just insane. It was just, you know, it had, and, and, and my character went insane. So it was really fun. You know, it was like, I was wearing a bathrobe backwards and, and saying, you know, it's like a Snuggie only cheaper. You know, so, you know, so I had, I, they were, they were fantastic for me. I mean, they were like, you know, they had me do, they had me do the most embarrassing thing I've ever done. I, in, in the course of the show, I think RJ has to raise some money or something bad. Happened. This is when I did the thing with Capitalist. And um, RJ has to raise some money. So he ends up somehow in a male strip joint. So this is a callback to my first job. And right? his name is Claude Al. His name is Claude And, um, and, I and I it turns out that that my character had been Mr. Vertical nineteen eighty four uh and had been a male stripping champion pole dancer. Um so they had me do a pole dance, a full on male strip show pole dance in the show. And and I you know and and of course I've got plantar fasciitis. I can't walk. My back has gone out like the week before. I'm I'm like 20 pounds heavier. I'm I'm like <laughs> I am not in any shape to be doing this. And a friend of mine was kind enough to choreograph it. Um, and uh, and uh, the director was 
fantastic and we kind of worked this whole thing out and we had enough time to kind of plan it out because rj was we we're doing two episodes a week and you we really shot fast and loose and you had to really kind of be ready to go and anything that required planning you really had to think it out and make sure that you were ready to go so i was very fortunate uh christine lakin who's a wonderful wonderful actress and choreographer and dancer and writer and producer um did me a favor and choreographed this and uh so we did the piece and you know and i you know pull off the shirt and the pants are breakaway pants and i was playing rick the brick burger <laughs> I um, actually i think i saw it yeah. episode. and uh you know and it's just horrifying it is the most <laughs> embarrassing but it's brilliant because it's that awful like it's hysterical and you're laughing at it but you're also as a performer you're like oh my god what have i got myself into and and the actors who are watching this happening you know who are my friends now are watching this capitalist is watching it just playing the owner of the club and and the kid who plays my son and Jerob and the other girl and they're all looking there and they were like mouth open glazed eyes looking at the most imp- and and they didn't have to act <laughs> that, was the, that was the part see that's great though that's a what's uh the guy named greg binkley was on i don't know if you know him he was yeah. the del Ta- dan the del taco guy he oh, was okay. in raising hope and uh mm-hmm. thing and he'd worked an episode of malcolm in the middle with uh brian cranston and he said cranston you know when he worked, just had no fear. Like that's no, the, like he, fear. they said. Like he would just, you know, the underwear. He didn't care. He he, said, he, he is. Uh, he I cast him in that movie with the um, with the uh, the terrorists on the vice president plane and stuff like that. And Brian had done a small bit for us in another movie, and and I'd known him. We had done a movie called Kissing Miranda together, where he played an INS agent, and I just he's just a wonderful guy, and we became friends. I knew his wife from commercial auditions, so when this movie came up i asked him to do it and he he agreed to and he played this kind of sniveling news reporter with perfect hair and uh, he's he's a wonderful guy we've we've been friends ever since but he has he's he's like the actor's actor he's he's completely committed he knows exactly what he's doing he's well trained he has great talent but all that stuff comes together for him like he's one of those guys who like the whole thing comes together and and you know also worked his ass off for you know 30 years before he had he finally got Malcolm in the middle but even that was kind of like he didn't get nominated for Emmys, you know. She right. did, you know. He and he was fantastic in that, and again, completely without I say fear. fearless. This yeah, is yeah. Amazing. And and um, you know, I don't know if you know this, but then from that, he ended up getting a guest star on X Files with, and the, the guest star was written by Vince Gilligan. Okay. And it was a brilliant guest star. He's like, and the whole thing is just him in the back of a car driving around. He's got a horrible headache, and as long as he keeps going a certain speed, he, the, his head doesn't explode. But when it drops below a certain speed, his head explodes, and there's an alien. But up until that point, you just think he's a crazy man, right? And Vince remembered him. I mean, from that, remembered him for Breaking Bad. We have about five minutes left. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, well, what's coming up with you? I mean, you're, you're still you, now. Do you do commercials at all anymore, or, or are you? Yeah, I'm, I'm leaving here going to commercial audition right after. Now, the commercials, everyone says it's 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 great. I mean, they, I it mean, can be. Yeah. Well, they're national. I mean, yeah. now a lot of times now they're it's it's a it's a different world. You know, the, uh, after the commercial uh, the commercial strike back in whatever it was, eighty nine, ninety four, whatever the hell it was. Um, you know, peop- uh, a lot of commercials went away. You know, uh, became non-union, went to different countries, um, are certainly shot in different states. So the amount of work is not as much as it used to be. So you know, I do them when I can, and if you know, I have an audition, and sometimes people hire me, and sometimes they don't. Been in any big ones that I know? Any, any commercials? Mm, no, not anything I can. Because sometimes people one. said they're like they didn't notice. I'm not. I'm not like you know. I'm not like the you know. Uh, I, I haven't been a spokesperson for some company that you know. I've done. Yeah, you know, I do car commercials and stuff like that. Now you do casting too. 
Not anymore, but okay. yeah, I did. Now your wife does casting. My wife is a big casting director. No, did you guest did you meet each other through casting, or did you meet each other at a party, or uh, both? We uh, she had been her, she and her company had been fans of mine for a long time. I'd gone in for tons. We started. I, I got a phone call from her after a particularly difficult audition that I didn't get, but that I'd done really well on. She just literally called my agents and asked if it was okay to call me and say, you know, I thought you were wonderful. I want you to know. Then I had a really series of bad breakups. This is about 15 years ago. A series of really bad breakups with crazy actress models. Right. And decided that maybe it was me, not them. Went to therapy. My my therapist's office moved next door to her casting wow. office. Literally next door. Like they shared a wall. So the first day, that not the first day, but one of the first days that I'm going there, I'm walking down the hall and here comes Carol out of the office. And she says, oh, hi. And I said, and she goes, what are you doing here? I said, I'm... <laughs> So embarrassed. And in my head, I'm going, I'm so embarrassed. I would say, I'm, I'm, I'm dropping off a picture. <laughs> and she goes, okay, great. Like a week later, same thing. And she goes, you're here again? I said, yes, I have a friend who's on this door right here. And I walk into somebody's office that they've never been into before. They're like, can I help you? Just let me stay here for five seconds. And, you know, and evidently my, my, uh, my therapist appointment is at the same time as her pee break for the day, <laughs> right? So the third time this happens, I walk in and she goes like, you're, you're here again? I said, yeah, I, uh, my therapist is right here. And she goes, oh yeah, a lot of people go to him. So, you know, from that point on, I would drop by her office and kind of say hi, you know, usually not after therapy because that's when I'd be crying about, you know, my father and things like that. And, um, and we started kind of talking and she's really cute. She's really, really attractive. And, uh. Um. Then I'm trying to think exactly what happened, but I'll do, I got to cut this fast because you got to go. But but basically, I go to an audition, she, and and she gives me a hug at the audition, and and oh no, no this I, she, I've been doing a play, I've been doing a um, Reefer Madness, this big musical theater th- piece, and and at great part and stop the show kind of role, and I invited people, and she came down to see it, and we were supposed to have a drink afterward, but I was exhausted, so I said I'll take you out to lunch sometime. She said great. I never called. Like weeks go by, she calls me in for an audition. She gives me a huge hug at the audition. We do the audition. As I'm waiting to leave, she walks by, and then she walks by again. She walks by a third time, and, and she goes, I can't find a phone. I said, oh, okay. And she goes, you know, and you owe me lunch. Okay. And I was like, ah, <laughs> right. I said, oh, my God, I'm so sorry. Can I take, I'll have it tomorrow. She goes, I'm busy. <laughs> I said, well, what about Friday? She goes, you know, call me on Monday. Uh, you know, I'll see if I can do something. I said, call her on Monday. She goes, I can't do lunch. I said, well, do you want to have a drink afterwards? She goes, yeah, how about tonight? <laughs> so we go out to dinner. We go out to drink. It turns into dinner. We close the restaurant. We walk out of the restaurant. I walk her to a car. And we'd had this kind of like, it was a business meeting, but it was also, you know, there was something going right, on. Right, you know, right, and, and we couldn't quite tell, and she's a casting director, and I don't have that many people that like me, and I don't want to fuck this up. And, <laughs> you know, and, and uh, so I said, well, that was a date, right? And she says, yeah, I think it was. And I said, okay, great. And I kissed her, and that was it. That was 15 years ago. Wow, that's amazing. That's a great story, though. Yeah. That's just, now, now, do you ever run into her at casting things? Is there? Uh, she calls me in. Now, is she more bi? I mean, that must be hard. Well, you know, when when we were first going out, no one knew we were going out, and I had auditioned for, she was doing CSI, and I auditioned for CSI, and I had a couple parts that were recurring parts that I was, like, the second choice for. And they told her that she was then telling me, they really like you, they just want to find something for you, they think you're great, and it's going to work out. I said, great. They found out that we were together. It took me, like, eight more auditions over a course of two years to get a job. They just wanted to make sure that they weren't being, you know, know, uh, weird about it. And... Ended up, but ended up getting work on it, and I, I recur on it now. And you know, she's she's great. She's my biggest fan. Great. Well, I want to thank you for coming on. Thank this you so fun. much for having me. This is great. It's I can talk about my wife too. She'll it? like that. That's it.
Oh, yeah, she'll be happy. See, I know. It's always people I say that. And, uh, okay, people, here's what's going on. Also, remember, every Tuesday night at Jimmy's Place down there on San Fernando Boulevard, I host uh, crappy comedy. Uh, mm-hmm. I just bring a few of my friends down. It's mostly storytelling, just hanging out. Also, um, what can you do? Oh, follow me on Twitter. At Are you on Twitter? I am on Twitter. What's it? At Larry, at Larry Poindexter. Find, follow Larry Poindexter on Twitter. Follow me at Cooper Talk. Also, go to coopertalk.net. I have about 265 episodes wow. up there. You can also, if you have an Android phone or tablet, you can go to the Google Play Store, type in Cooper Talk, and there's a Cooper Talk app. Every week, as soon as I post it on my website, it goes on. Also, what else is going on? I want to thank Stockton, my college, Richard Stockton College, WLFR, Lake Fred Radio, who plays me every week now. It's so funny. I, I was there when they were just changing their name. I was a freshman in college, so it's great to be played play, played back there. Uh, send me an email, Cooper Indy 100, and also you can go to iTunes or Stitcher and type in Cooper Talk, one word, and you can find the episodes there. So yeah, keep listening, people. Uh, I just want to say thank you, Larry. It was thank good you so much. So the last minute's always the hardest. I always sit there. I hate to do the last oh, minute. Oh, no, no, that's great. But anyway, people, thank you for coming out, uh, listening. Um, remember, next week, my guests are Greg Barron and from New Wave Entertainment, Brian Volkweiss. So check it out, and I'll be seeing you next week. Remember, drink your water, eat your vegetables, take your vitamins. I'm Steve Cooper.